Welcome to the Fratello podcast for members of Fratello. This is Mike Stockton coming to you from Frankfurt am Main, Germany. This is RJ coming to you from The Hague in the Netherlands. Welcome back, RJ. How are you today? Yeah, good. A bit, uh, well, I had to work from home because uh, schools are closed and uh, I have to do some homeschooling as well. So I had to, uh, yeah. To, uh, to work at home and uh, entertain my daughter and educate my daughter a bit. But uh, yeah, it's okay. Did you, have to pull, been... did you have to pull out the rod and, uh, and show her what's what when she misbehaved? <laughs> did they do that in the <laughs> Netherlands before? Did they used to do that? Oh, they still do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they still do, yeah. Wow. No, she's very sweet. But um, no, it's homeschooling, so they, they um, expect you to, to give like two or three hours of homeschooling every day but um, I uh, recognize a lot of myself and my daughter which means she's finished within 30 minutes <laughs> only the difference is uh, her assignments are all correct <laughs> so yeah um, well, no but it's fine and it works and I have to say and perhaps we touched the topic later as well but working from home is not really an issue for me and um, um, I'm uh, um, yeah used to that basically uh, we have an office in The Hague for uh, for Fratello, but I also sometimes work from home because it's easy and convenient uh, at times. So, uh, yeah, not much of a difference except for the traveling, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's definitely weird. I mean, I've been working from home for – it's one week straight now. So I went into the office – well, it'll be one week tomorrow, but I, I went into the office a little bit last week and then kind of decided just to do the – I, I think the, the, the right thing and, and stay in the house. I mean, the office where I work uh, that I would drive to doesn't have a lot of people there now. And, and I'm fortunate enough to, to have an office and can kind of lock myself away. But on the other hand, I just thought about it that at some point I would have to fill up my car with fuel and interact with somebody. And, you know, it's just one interaction that at this time I can eliminate. So, I'm I'm trying to do the the sensible thing as as tough as it is, but like you, I I can work from home. Um, when I did a did some global things, I did a lot of that, but it, it's strange. And uh, I think <laughs> one thing that will come out of this is the world was saying that we were all getting uh, so reliant on our cell phones and not really talking to people anymore. I think that there will be a lot of people who are anxious to see people again after this. So. Let's yeah, hope. but I I also have to say that um, sometimes so so um, with my daughter I go uh, um, out once a day at least to to walk around when it's quiet, and um, so we don't going to uh, to to search for playgrounds or other kids or so, but just we we do a little walk, and when we um, approach other people walking, um, I see there's a certain kind of kindness to it. Hmm. You smile and then you know who's going left, who's who's going right. And you, you nod a bit of, of that you understand each other. And I, I see it, it brings also some kind of kindness and you know, like mutual um, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding for, for the whole situation. And normally you would just... Uh, approach and, and uh, well pass someone and you don't you don't even look at each other or whatsoever and I think 
that that changed a little bit. But I think on a, on a larger scale, I think these times are also um, they force you to become innovative. I think, and although we are uh, accustomed to 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 work in a virtual team because uh, only few of us are in the Netherlands, some of us are in Germany, and and others are in the UK, for example. Uh, we work in a virtual team, basically, so we we are used to that. Um, but a lot of things, like like the school for my daughter, uh, she goes to school every day, every weekday, and now she gets uh, homework, and a lot of things are being done digital. She gets like YouTube videos from her gym teacher, uh, uh, giving some some dancing cl- uh, classes and so on. So I think it also innovates a bit that people are more, I think. Um, yeah, creative with 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 uh, the stuff we have that we normally only use to 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 press like or, yeah. or, or thumbs up or whatever. Now we actually use it for some some yeah, so some good things. Yeah, um, I agree. So, yeah, we started the same thing around here um, with all the the digital schooling stuff and similar when we walk around as well, which is is not too frequently. Um, and yeah, people do acknowledge but without the smile here so we're not uh we're not on that level here <laughs> but oh, that yeah, probably doesn't Germany, surprise. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah let, let, let's see but uh it's um i think um this too shall pass as they say uh it's going to be going to be not the most fun thing but on the other hand uh it it is is something that allows you to go back to maybe some simpler things and also to appreciate some of the things you have and and clearly the people who live in your house um yeah. and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later uh just related to watches but um yeah maybe maybe we kick things off and 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 by the way just just to let you know um we are going to try to up our uh, up our recording schedule just because we think and we hope that this podcast, uh, as well as the site, uh, provide a good distraction for what's going on right now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write a little bit of an editorial on just my thoughts, and RJ published one late last week that he'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but we do think that we do think that something like watches, despite the fact that. Yeah, buying one or or um, the hobby in general might be a little bit far away from from one's mind during these times. We do think at some point um, when things settle down and and maybe we're still not allowed yet uh, to go out, that sites like ours will provide a good distraction. And and for those who are able to shut off right now from from the bombardment of all kinds of news it's a distraction hopefully and we've gotten some really cool feedback from some of you and supportive of the site and and the podcast and we just want to say thank you uh for those of you who write in uh it's nice to know that uh that people do see it as a positive so you know rj maybe you want to talk a little bit about your about your article last week yeah so last friday i wrote an article called uh, the show must go on <laughs> And um, as it, it, it's not only for us that we will continue with, with Fratello like we always do. Um, sometimes it becomes a bit more difficult because we can't travel. Uh, normally we, we travel and we see some watches. We, we can take pictures and so on. Um, and two weeks ago, Bert and I were at uh, Bulgari in, uh, in, in Switzerland. And uh, it was a bit of a strange 
travel, especially on the way back, because there we realized that perhaps it wasn't the smartest thing to do to be in like this aluminum tube <laughs> with other people coughing. Um, and like an almost abandoned Schiphol airport in Amsterdam uh, on the way back. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And we wear masks. And uh, I don't know if that uh, helps or not. Uh, the, the, uh, there are different opinions on that. But we did our best. And um, yeah, so normally we, we get our information from the brands. We get the watches. Um, there was Baselworld and SIJ, so Watches and Wonders, of course, um, normally. Um, so now the, the biggest... The biggest uh, challenge is to get the watches to take pictures and to do hands-on reviews from some brands. Brands we already have, um, um, like they, they will ship the watches, no issue. It just will take a bit longer because they also work from home and in the office uh, back and forth. Um, so it all takes a bit longer, but they, yeah, we want to continue. And I think now more than ever, and I also wrote this in the article, is that uh, watch brands perhaps are... Um, more relying on us because the word needs to get out. Um, normally, there was Basel World, and they had tons of journalists and people coming over, collectors, enthusiasts, taking pictures, sharing them on, them on Instagram. Same for retailers; they did basically the same. And yeah, that, that's yeah, that's not possible right now. And so I think they uh, depend a bit more on on titles like like ours. Um, and we we're glad to help. Um, of course, we we currently live off uh, advertising, and that still continues, hap uh, luckily. And um, yeah, we are happy with the partners that we have and the advertisers. And um, so, so yeah, we 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 are good to go, basically. So nothing. Of course, it changes in the in the daily routine a bit, especially the traveling, like as I said. But um, yeah, we have always been a virtual team. Uh, we have an office in the Hague where uh, Bert Buisrogge. Try to pronounce that if you're not from the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, he's in the office. Gerard is sometimes in the office. Um, so now we work a bit more uh, from home. Um, I, st I still go to the office. Bert goes to the office. Yesterday, Gerard was there for a couple of hours. So we still work. We still continue. Uh, but it's a bit of a different schedule, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but it, it's especially... I think we're used to it. So it's for me, it's uh, everything except for the for traveling. We still have watches stocked up uh, to to take pictures of and videos. Um, but it's mainly the private situation that changes. Sure, um, I think sure. That, that's what I also wrote in the article last week. And I think this is not only for us; it's for everyone that you can't see your grandparents and especially your grandparents if you. If you have kids, they want to see their grandparents. Uh, I assume you want to see your own parents as well. And that has become a bit impossible. Um, and for me, for instance, my dad is uh, just healthy, nothing to worry. Uh, my mom is, uh, uh, yeah, she would have had heart surgery uh, uh, yesterday. Mm. Uh, that has been canceled because of this entire situation. On the one hand, uh, that's a relief because I think if there's one place you can get this virus, it's in a hospital. Um, on the other hand, it's still her heart is still not fixed, so, so that's a yeah, bit of a yeah. yeah. yeah th that's a thing, of course, and uh, hopefully, so it will will pass, and then she can get her surgery, and then it will be fine. But these things that affect our private lives, I think, the worst. Um, the homeschool is not even a, a very bad thing, but I have only one daughter like you, and it's very difficult to say to her, "Well, you can't play in the park with other kids," and yeah. so on. So she's <laughs> a bit alone these days, so you have to take extra care of that. Yep. Um, on the other hand, I'm at home more, so I can also do some stuff that I that I um, 
yeah, didn't do in the past because I was traveling and I realized that for like two appointments of a few hours, um, it's easily three days in total that you're gone. Sure. So you get a lot of time back um, also in the evenings. So yeah, I rediscovered some watches in uh, in my collection, basically. We'll talk about that later. Um, gives me some more rest and, and uh, ease to, to go through my watch collection and look at them and, and, and play with them. And I picked up some old hobbies that uh, I didn't do for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, we wrote about it. I wrote about it last Friday. Um, so you can look that up if you want. The uh, article is called uh, The Show Must Go On. And um, yeah, give it a read and let me know what you think uh, in the comments. Yeah. No, it was a really good article. And yeah, you're right. We're uh, we're, we're on to some other hobbies that I think uh, definitely fit the uh, saying... Uh, idle hands or the devil's workshop. So we're keeping, we're keeping ourselves busy doing other things. And I think it keeps your brain uh, engaged as well on things other than whatever the heck's going on in the news. So you can read about that, but to, to get rid of the secret, we're, uh, we're kind of nerding away over here, building some uh, RC cars that uh, takes us back to a time. When was that? I guess in our, Late, well, uh, early, late 80s. Yeah, late, late 80s, 80s, early 90s. So maybe yeah. when we were between. I think it's my dad's fault, right, this whole thing? It's your dad's. And then, uh, yeah, I started talking about the old uh, Hornet that I used to have. And then I think I went on vacation during that week in February, and I didn't have Wi-Fi on the cruise. And you guys were unbelievably hard at work doing all kinds of research on <laughs> RC cars. And it was like, <laughs> I came back yeah. and I had to order one as well. So yeah, yeah you have to, yeah. no, it's a short, long short, uh, story short. It's uh, my dad. He uh, was cleaning up his, uh, his attic. I wasn't there. Uh, I think I was in, uh, in Dubai or something for, I don't know. I was traveling. Um, and then my wife uh, visited my parents with my with my daughter, with our daughter, I have to say. And uh, my dad gave my wife this box. And my wife gave me the box a few days later, and I opened it. And inside the box was this old uh, Tamiya boomerang car, RC car that I got when I was 11 or 12 or something. So 80, I think 89, like Christmas mm-hmm. or something, like a present. And I built it with my dad. It's like this uh, scale 1 to 10 uh, buggy, off-road buggy. And... Um, had some good memories. And what I did, I, I took the box to the office and I charged the original battery, 30 years old, and I put it in <laughs> and it and it worked. And I drove through the office and um, I, I noticed that the steering wasn't okay. So then I took the whole thing apart, disassembled it, cleaned it, ordered some new parts and uh, put it together again. And uh, yeah, runs perfectly. And then I thought, well, this was actually quite nice and um, I need to order a new one. <laughs> so <laughs> I did starts, and I think right? we all did. And that's how it starts. And you ordered and Bert, he ordered a few, I think. And uh, uh, Gerard bought one and he's also, I think, ordering one, a new one this week. And uh, I, I will as well. I even bought a vintage and, uh, one. So this is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not as crazy as with watch traps uh, or watches. And the fun thing is, that's what I meant to say with watch traps. At some point, I was pondering over which RC car model I wanted to order, and then you said, "What? What? Why does it take so long for you to make a decision? It's cheaper than an alligator watch track." <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> and it, I think I have to say it's a lot of fun, and building them is a lot of fun. Gives a lot of uh, ease of mind. It takes your mind off things. And um, 
I actually only drove it last week with my daughter on this on this parking lot, and she enjoyed it as well. Um, although they are a bit fast, yeah, I have they to are say, fast. For, for small yeah. kids. Um, but it's, yeah, I have to say it's a lot of fun. And we started this um, Instagram feed called Fertello Racing, yep. where you can follow our, our uh, adventures with yeah, our, our exploits cars. on there. So exactly, yeah, we're. Uh... I think returning to our uh, our roots a little bit with that, but it is fun and and they are cool kits. I mean, it's funny the number of uh, watch related people uh, who follow follow us and we talk with normally. We're like, oh yeah, I had one of those and that's pretty cool. So it's funny how these things cross over. But you know, they're mechanical. They've got a lot of gears and things. So I think there's yeah. somehow a little and linkage uh, there. As my wife said to me, it's like a harmless or innocent midlife crisis thing. I guess she meant yeah. to say it's better than like a 18-year-old Brazilian au pair. Yeah, or collecting real sports cars uh, to the... For example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. so No, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And we, we are geeking over this uh, a bit. And um, yeah, we uh, just follow us on the Instagram account. Have a look. And uh, it's not that nerdy as you think because... Uh, uh, Ayrton uh, Senna, he was also a big RC car fan, and I wouldn't call him a nerd. No, no. So let's move on to the yes. Angelenk controller, the wrist Angelenk check. Angelenk controller. So, so who wants? Do you want you want me to go to first this time? Yeah, because normally you always make me go first. Okay. So now you go first. Okay. So I am wearing my Oak and Oscar. Olmsted. And um, this is the uh, most recent release from Oak and Oscar, uh, the Chicago independent brand. And I think we've spoken about them a little bit before. We've featured them on a website, uh, on our site uh, before. Certainly when they come out with a new model, we usually give it a little write-up. And all of us have met uh, Chase, the founder of the brand. And We've always been interested in what he's doing. Um, I think he brings a little bit of a different, uh, slightly different look to uh, th- these micro-branded watches. And I think after several releases now, he's hit upon a, a style that's kind of all his own. Um, I always like the watches. And in fact, uh, I consider myself somewhat lucky for having seen a lot of the watches before they were were produced, seeing some of the trial drawings and even giving some opinion on different things. Um, But for me, the watches were always maybe a touch big or honestly, they sold out very quickly and there wasn't really much of an opportunity to get one. Um, With his last couple watches, he's actually, or the brand has decided to do some serial production watches so they're not limited in nature. And this Olmstead is sort of like a, I don't know, I would call it more like an explorer type uh, theme or a field watch, you might even call it. So it doesn't have any kind of rotating bezel. It's got the uh, sandwich style with uh, 1 through 12, uh, with the 6 missing with a small date window. And he offers it on a leather strap or bracelet and in a white dial, kind of a, a blue and then a like a dark gray, almost black. And I chose the white dial, which is kind of different for me. I don't own a sports watch with a white dial or a modern one. 
<clears throat> but Chase was over here in Frankfurt and we did a little bit of a meetup at uh, my favorite cocktail bar here called Anthony's. So frequent that if you fly into Frankfurt at some point. And yeah, he had the watches with him and I tried it on and it just fit perfectly, which is not something that's all that easy for, for someone with a small wrist like mine. So I ordered it. And when I was over in the US, I had the opportunity to grab it and I really like it. Um, what what strikes me most about the watch um, is that it is very well made. Uh, the finishing is really really good, um, and then the bracelet is just sublime. I mean, it's it's really amazing how good it is. Uh, the clasp is not super long, so it doesn't hang over the uh, the edge of my wrist uh, on the backside, and the links articulate really really well. It's super super smooth and. Um, yeah, very, very impressive. I think that these watches out of all of his probably don't jump off the page as much as some others, just because they don't have a bezel or they're a bit plainer, but in person, they're fantastic. And I think at a price of, I don't know where they are now, 1200, 1200, 1400, somewhere in there. Um, I think they're, they're pretty approachable. uh... Yeah, I think there was a difference between the steel bracelet and the strap version of uh, like $200 or something. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because I talked to him about that, how some brands really charge 100 bucks extra for a bracelet. And the comment was, no, it building a decent bracelet, it actually does cost money. So yeah. it was uh, interesting just to, to get that perspective. But I really like the watch. I really, really do. And uh, yeah. Looks good, and you wrote a, a hands-on about it, right? Yeah, I did on that on that meetup, and and we'll see. I mean, as time goes on, I may revisit it and give a few more impressions. But I really enjoy it. It's a cool watch. Good. I will put a link to your uh, article in the in the yeah. notes of this uh, podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Good. And you? Yeah. Nice. Well, it's a Speedy Tuesday today mm. while we're recording, and um, yeah, practice what you preach. So um, I'm wearing a. A Speedmaster. Um, I'm wearing the um, Tokyo 2020. Ooh. I started out with a gold one, and then I saw a lot of people wearing the Tokyo 2020, and I realized that it's because um, the games got postponed. And um, yeah, you saw some jokes um, going everywhere that uh, perhaps they make a new case back for next year, or um, it will be worth a lot of money because of the um, yeah the the inscription. Change. But um, I also read in The Guardian, I think, and um, thanks uh, to Sasha Davidov for that, he pointed it out to me, is that uh, ne- if the games are being held next year in 2021, it will still be called uh, the Tokyo 2020 games. Ah. So the case back engraving is still spot on. But what I did today is um, normally I wear it on a, on a NATO strap somehow, or it was on a NATO strap. Um and I put it on a, a vintage bracelet, uh, mm-hmm. not super vintage, but like uh, early 90s. It's the Reverence 1479 bracelet cool. with the polished center links, but it uh, the, the bracelet tapers a bit. Um, and it looks really nice. It's a bit more brushed uh, finish, the other links. And it looks very neat on the on the Tokyo 2020. So, yeah, that's what I put on the, on the watch, actually. And, uh, yeah, you have the same one. And... Um, it's a great watch, I think, especially in the sun. It's a unfortunate. Dial is amazing. You, you, yeah. you can't go out that much, but in the sun, it 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 really looks nice. 
And um, yeah, I should wear it more often, actually. It's uh, very well done. Only the case back is a bit sharp, um, I have to say, from these Tokyo 2020 models. Hmm. And um, it also this bracelet also got me to appreciate the newer bracelet that originally came with this watch because the, the 1479, the clasp has no like lock system not not a flip lock but also no no release buttons um and i think i should uh, put in an extra link or something uh, because it's a bit small and um because if i lean on my hand for example uh it flips open constantly so i can imagine they they got rid of these bracelets and started using bracelets with a more proper clasp, uh, clasp and locking system on the clasp but yeah that's what i'm wearing basically it's cool. Yeah, the I, I think we actually coined the the rising sun name for that watch and um yeah. I I think I think it's one of one of the best looking speedmasters released over the last 5 years or so. And funny enough when I well, they, they did a lot. But, yeah, for but, sure. For sure. But, but, but I, I think it's it's one of, of the nicest looking and especially from the the, the set. I think the, the 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 green the green one is also nice with the mm. the bicolor and um of course, the, the 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 Mitsukoshi inspired one and the Gemini Four one, but those are all more or less like reeditions of things that already had been done. Yep. And this Rising Sun was something new, um, and the Green was also something new, I think. So I was I was debating with myself between these two, and I think the four of us of Fratello we went for the for the Rising Sun. Yeah, and I think it actually yeah. lays very well next to the uh, 50th anniversary in gold. There's some similarity there. And the yeah. little bit with the bezel color, quite a uniform dial color, um, but very, very nice. And it also proved to me at the time that I can get along with a sapphire crystal moon watch. So wasn't sure, yeah. but very well, nice. and then then you knew, and then you ordered the moonshine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So well, good. Okay, good. So that was the handgelenk controller. Cool. And well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. move on to the main topic, which is what what we alluded to before. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we we've been using a little bit of our of our time at home, let's say, to take a closer look at at some of the watches in our collection. And yeah, besides the RC cars. Yeah, yeah, and it is true. I mean, when you have some time and look more closely at your watches, or you know pull one out of the pile that you haven't seen in a long time. You, you may look at it in a different light and decide to, to throw it on your wrist. And yeah, we thought we would just pick a couple watches that we've, we've spent a lot more time with recently. So um, I'll, I'll go first with one. And I think I've mentioned it here on the show, but I, I still, um, it's still a watch that I don't, um, I don't spend enough time with. And now I am. And that first watch is a, um, it's a Doxa. So this is the, uh, this is the Doxa Sea Rambler. This is the Doxa 300 No T. So for those of you who aren't familiar with this watch, this watch was released in, I believe, 1966, and it was really only around for one year. It has what some call kind of a thin case and, and almost like a porthole size crystal. So a really small crystal. And we know these watches much better now because Doxa did a series of reissues starting in 2016, uh, where they issued this, uh, 
silver sea rambler, the black shark hunter and the orange professional, they did 300 of each. And then over the next couple of years, they did some models with the, uh, scuba tank, uh, from us divers or now Aqualong, uh, on there in, in limited editions as well. And they're fantastic limited editions, but I always wanted an original and Andreas from local time in Cyprus happened upon one and was kind enough to, to give me first shot at it. And I went after it and I think common to the other watch I'll talk about later. Uh, this watch is not in what I would call museum condition. Um, it did not come with its original beads of rice bracelet, which most of those stretched out and, and broke. Um, it's got a replacement crown that is correct, but just a, a plain one without the, the DOXA sign on it. And it looks like somebody used kind of like a reamer on the case back. So the, uh, the serial number uh, isn't there any longer. Um, and it looks like the hands, like the hands have had a little loom work, but all in all, it's in, it's actually in nice shape and it's a watch I think that has lived a life and it's a really hard watch to find. So there, there are kind of doxa fanatics out there who go after these and the, the early um, chronographs that they made as well. And, you know, there, there's decent kind of cultish demand for them. And I just never really had the opportunity to get one. And I figured, yeah, the price was right despite the... Uh, despite the issues and it's just sort of a piece of diving history that I always wanted. And it has a CK shape, which is not necessarily my favorite thing, but it looks great on the wrist and it's really, it just fits so nicely. It's, it's nice and, and thin and on a vintage black, uh, 20 millimeter tropic strap. It, I think it looks really, really cool. It looks good on a NATO as well, but I dig the watch and it's got the whole no deco um, bezel, which talking about RC cars, RJ, I, uh, the bezel numerals were originally filled in with black and orange paint. And when I got the watch, they were basically all that paint was gone. So you I, ordered some Revell paint. I did. I uh, <laughs> took a toothpick and I kind of scraped out of all the, whatever crud was in there. And then I, uh, I, I did it by hand with some Ravel paint, which was pretty cool. And I actually saw that tip like on a, on a, on a forum somewhere to, to go ahead and do it yourself. And it looks good. So I, nice. um, but I, but I dig the watch. I think it's historically important and I, I enjoy it and I'm going to wear it more. So that's my first nice. one. How cool. about you? Well, I have to say, um, just to comment when I, see the the doxa on on pictures i really like it uh, no matter what dial basically um i have no real preference i just like the looks of it and the uh, the quirky bezel but when i have one on the wrist um the small diameter of the dial puts me really off somehow mm-hmm. it, it for me it looks awkward on the wrist because the dial is so small like relatively small uh, I guess because it's of the double bezel um, uh, ring, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I like it. From the the looks are nice, but on the wrist, it's uh, it's just not for me. But um, I can get that a lot of people are after these watches, and it has the like a nice following um, of collectors and enthusiasts. Yeah, I mean it's definitely unique. So yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, one of my watches that I uh, recently rediscovered is also is at least well not also is is not very popular. <laughs> it's a Chrono Swiss uh, regulateur or regulator. Nice. And it's a watch that I got in, I think it was two thousand, and um, the watch is from ninety three, so it's a really early one. Mm. I think this watch was one of the first, or perhaps the first wristwatch with a regulator dial by chrono swiss when there was still a uh, gerd lang the the uh, the founder of chrono swiss he previously he had worked at uh Tuck Heuer for restorations i think then he started chrono swiss in the in the 80s and uh, the regulator was one of his uh i think one of his first watches the very first models they look slightly different and they have a hand-wound model this is already a, a self-winding model with the anycar 165 movement oh, nice. from the top of my head and um yeah it has a very nice silver dial and i remember that they also had like these salmon salmon or copper colored dials yeah. And I was always after one, but I never pulled the trigger to 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 order one, basically. And at some point, I I gave it to my wife for, for her to wear because yeah, it's a it's it's a nice watch and it 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 fits a lot of ladies as well. It's a thirty eight in uh, in diameter. Um, but yeah, it's a nice watch, and I recently rediscovered it. Uh, it was in the in the bank safe, and I picked it up and took it with me, and I wore it for a few days. And thirty eight millimeter is fine for me as well, and. Um, yeah, I like the looks of the watch, basically, with the uh, knurled uh, the bezel and the onion crown. And um, I think these days, Corona Swiss are a bit f- further away from what they were in the past. Gerd Lang is out. It's now owned by, uh, I think, Epstein family. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what, what Gerd Lang does these days, or is he still around or in the watch industry? I, I really don't know. Um, but mine, as the original, this wooden box... And at the time, there was this this advertisement from Chrono Swiss, where you saw him signing the papers of each watch with a like green ink with a fountain pen, and you could also order this fountain pen separately, the same one. I think it was a Pelican, but I'm not sure. Um, but mine is my mine has the the warranty card, and it's indeed signed, it's hand signed by him with this fountain pen, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I, I I seldomly wear it. It has been, I think, in a safe for for years, really. It uh, it came from deep inside, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, I think it's a nice piece, a nice, a nice uh, uh, change from all the Omega, Seiko, uh, Rolex, um, um, yeah, ammunition basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I always thought they had a really unique uh, aesthetic. I mean, I remember when they first came out, and they were, you know, in all the the mega boutiques next to Rolex and everything. And it was, they, they were a big deal when they first hit. I mean, I remember yeah. my, my dad looking at one and, and maybe you can yeah. help enlighten me on this model because I can't find it, but it was like a, it had a huge onion crown and it had a really long leather strap. And I swear yeah. the box had like a picture Time of Master. Austin Healy or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the Chrono Swiss Time Master, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I think there were more versions, and one of them, or perhaps they only had I can't remember, but there was one version that had this dial that was luminous in total. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, the entire yeah. dial loomed that. up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think most popular were also, I think a bit before with the Opus, these skeletonized uh, chronographs. And um, I think Bernard Werk has one from Watching Magazine and Beth. Dur from Quill and Pet has one. I'm not sure, but I think she has one. And um, another very cool model is the Delphis. 
mm. with this window with this jumping i think it was like a jumping hour or something let me quickly look it up yeah yeah okay. these were nice pieces and i think they uh yeah delphi so it has a had a jumping hour and a retrograde uh, minute hand yeah. super nice yeah yeah, they they were neat. I mean, I just remember that really long strap that was meant to go over your leather driving jacket on your on your wrist to to kind of just wrapped it around. And I I know I know my dad considered it for a while. It was just a very unique uh unique watch. So, yeah, they they made made and and we cover them on on uh the occasional article, but certainly in this week in watches we we cover their releases and they still make yeah. really cool looking watches, but as to your point, I mean, they're, they make a lot of very limited pieces and they seem to change colors frequently just to keep offering something new. Yeah. So, so, so basically they use the regulator as their core model and then they make all sorts of variations and, uh, yeah, uh, some are better than the others, but I think it's uh, quite nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, the original ones like the Delphi's was nice and the Opus and like, uh, like your dad was looking at the Time Master. Those were very nice pieces. Yeah. yeah cool so yeah that's what i recently like a few weeks back i discovered again and um yeah it's nice to uh to wear once in a while good so the uh the second and, and final piece i'll discuss today is not really a piece that i i rediscovered but it's a piece that i just got in um i guess it was a little over a week ago um i had some watches that uh I had sent and I had some watches that sort of arrived at our, one of our watch uh, making friends, uh, James Marion in Belgium from Ikigai watches. So James focuses heavily on Japanese watches, but he's certainly trained and, and works on Swiss watches as well, or watches from wherever. Uh, but he just does some, some great work on Japanese watches and really, I think has a passion for it. Um, and he also takes some amazing pictures while he's doing the service. He uses a, a Leica stereoscope and he shoots pictures through the Oculus and they're, they're just fabulous. Um, I wake up or before I'm going to sleep sometimes, he'll, he'll throw me a picture that's just like, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. But anyhow, a watch that I had, I had purchased uh, and had sent to him, um, was a bit of a, a little bit of a gamble. Um, but it was, uh, priced as such, I guess, uh, was a 1967 Seiko 6215-7000, which, um, for those of you out there, this watch, uh, or, or who don't know it, this is Seiko's first 300 meter diver. And it doesn't get a whole lot of press because, much like the Speedmaster, this watch, um, despite being three, 300 meters and having a similar case to the 6159 high beat diver that came a year later, uh, does not have the word professional on the dial. And Seiko seems to make a distinction uh, when they announced their uh, 50th anniversary of the 6159 a couple years back. They kind of called that their first professional diver. Uh, despite the fact that this watch um, is a 300-meter diver, looks the same, it's kind of like a one-year experiment from Seiko before they had the high-beat movement uh, ready. Um, but despite looking a lot like the 6159 that only lasted for two years, um, 68 and 69, it is different. Um, first off, it has a countdown bezel, which means uh, if you've got the the, the starting area up above 12 o'clock, the arrow, um, 
you first run into 50 uh, at 10 o'clock. So it kind of, it counts down. Um, the hands and the dial are similar to the, to the 6159 that followed it, but they are, they're different. The dial is different and the hand length is different. Uh, the dial seemed to use a more, call it Swiss traditional tritium versus whatever Seiko used after that. And it yellows, it, it yellows very nicely. And you can see that on other people's models. Um, it movement wise, it wasn't using a high beat, but it was using a very high jewel count 6215, which if you're a Seiko nut and know the 62 Moss or the 6217 diver, it's sort of the same family as that. So funny enough, it, uh, does not hand wind. You have to shake it to get it going, which is kind of that Seiko magic lever thing. And, um, it does have a screw down crown. It has a, a quick setting date, uh, but it's it's an incredible watch. It's a, a monoblock case, so it's a front loader. I was able to source a new old stock crystal here in Germany and have it sent to Belgium. And when paired with that, this is just it's such a such a fantastic watch. I mean, to really get my hands on one of these, I never thought I would be able to do it. They don't come up very frequently, even compared to 6159s. And when they do, they're usually priced at a point that it's crazy. Um, but this is a really nice model. The dial's in really great shape. It's got all the right kind of dings and scratches on it that are how would I put it? Well-worn, but not abused. So the watch was mm-hmm. definitely worn, but it is, it's really in nice shape. And I've really enjoyed wearing the heck out of this over the last week and a half. I, if you follow me on Instagram, you've noticed I put more than one picture on there and I've really had it on my wrist more often than that. It, it's it, it, with the hard Lex mineral crystal, it really is almost like an everyday watch. And RJ, you're a fan of the uh, Marine Master 300, and this watch is sort of the inspiration for that. Yeah, um, but this wears I smaller. I can see that. Yeah, it wears smaller. Yeah. It wears thinner, um, and it works for me. So I'm I'm still just kind of like a kid in a candy shop wearing this, and and we'll do an article on it, and I think it deserves an article because there really aren't very many articles about this watch. Uh, much yeah. the attention. No, it looks beautiful. Also, especially on your, uh, as you have it on a suede strap, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks very nice. Yeah. And, so uh, thanks. So it's, our markers are nice. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. So yeah. So there we oh. go. There's my watch. Yeah. Very nice. We'll put it in the in the show notes as well on the, on the website. Um, yeah. Then my uh, second watch and. Um, I will disappoint some people and uh, others will be happy. It's an Omega mm-hmm. and it's a Seamaster 300 meters chrono diver. Ooh. And I think you remember that I bought it because I think we were <laughs> looking on eBay and chrono 24 for a long time to find like a very nice one uh, together. And um, it's a uh, 2296.80. So it's a 300 meters chronograph. They're really the, like the fat ones. And uh, they started making these in 1993. And I think in 1994, it won some some prize, uh, watch prize. And um, <laughs> it has uh, three types of metal. It's titanium combined with tantalum and uh, rose gold. And I used to have this version uh, in uh, full titanium, which is the 2298.80. Uh, 
And I bought that watch basically because when Chuck Maddox was still alive, the uh, Chronograph Collector and Speedmaster Collector um, who ran this website, uh, uh, Chrono Maddox. It's still uh, it's still online. I was in touch with him uh, quite often, and um, once I think he wrote me that um, I should I should look it up if I still have that email that the uh, Seamus 300M in titanium was this perfect modern chronograph watch it has every feature that you want from a watch is is water resistant you can use the pushers under in the water you um it's a, it has a solid movement of Valjou 70 70 50 um version modified a little bit by uh, by omega uh, it's titanium so it's lightweight and that said it's still heavy for a titanium watch because the thing is huge mm. um so it has a lot of things going for it and he said this watch is um in my like daily or weekly rotation program and uh, i once called it in an article like the true homage to chuck maddox that because this was his daily uh daily chronograph modern chronograph so i bought a titanium one after i discussed it with bill zone another omega collector who was uh, much closer to uh, to chuck maddox and we discussed it when i was in new york and we said to each other yeah this is the watch that he that he really enjoyed as a modern watch and that made me buy a, a full titanium one but then i saw this uh, this version with three different metals and i thought yeah that's that's what i need and um i sold the titanium one to one of our readers i think and um, that was very nice. A guy from Zurich, if I'm not mistaken. I hope he still uh, has it and wears it. And um, I sourced this one from Chrono24, actually. And I think, but I don't remember correctly, I think it was listed wrong. So it was listed as the one with yellow gold and titanium and not as the tri-metal one. So I don't know if that helped for the price, but I think I paid like 2400 or something 2300 euros and it was uh i think with box and papers everything there so that was quite nice and um yeah it's a, it's a i rediscovered it recently it was not in a super super nice shape i have to say a lot of scratches and things and uh or um diva watchmaker paul he could uh, buff some scratches out and what he also did like your doxa the the numerals on the on the red gold uh, bezel they were like filled with this black paint or something mm. lacquer, and um, yeah, he also bought a little uh, Revel um, um, uh, modeling paint um, in black, and he uh, repainted that for me. And uh, yeah, so it looks all good now again. The only thing is, some hands normally have like red tips, and those faded away. It was the same with the three hundred M Bond models uh, in the nineties. All these red tips, they, they fade to pink or, or are all gone. Mm. Um, I think mine is, yeah, almost like this this pink, orangey, strange, awkward color. But I think it's nice, so I keep it the way it is. Yeah. It has been worn, and it's a, it's, a, it's a decent watch. So I resized the bracelet to, uh, to, to fit my somewhat slimmer wrist than a, f- a few years ago when I purchased it. And, uh, yeah, I wore it for a couple of days, and it's on my Instagram as well. I shared it um, um, a few days ago. And um, yeah, I think it's a really cool watch. And despite that it's titanium, I think the tantalum is quite a heavy metal and of course the gold as well. So it's not really a, a lightweight watch. Um, and I, I can't think of what would have happened if they did it with steel <laughs> and uh, tantalum and rose gold. That must have been a, a chunk of metal. What, what I think it? they did a full steel model they did was already quite heavy. And I don't know if they did a gold and steel model. Uh, I only know of the gold and titanium combinations. 
So what did what did that watch cost when it was new? I mean, obviously we're we're probably. I uh, uh, well, I know because I have the old catalogs. Um, in Dutch guilders, I think I have the the earliest catalog where it is pictured in. I think that I have is from ninety five or ninety six, and I think it was like six thousand uh, guilders. Yeah. which is around, I don't know, divided by two, basically. So it's around 3,000 euros. Expensive. A, a, bit, a bit less even. And at that time, it was expensive, much more expensive than a, than a Moonwatch, which, which was like uh, 3,000 guilders, uh-huh. so half of the money. Um, so last year, Omega uh, reintroduced the, the 300M chronographs um, in the same kind of style as the, as the, the new 300Ms that they did in 2018. Um so it has uh, two registers, but it's uh, yeah more or less a uh, yeah the successor of the one that I have, and um, I hope because they did a normal one. We discussed it, I think. Yeah, uh, I wrote the article in an article. Three hundred M. Yeah, they did a trimetal one yep. um, in two thousand eighteen as a watch. limited edition. Great watch. Very great watch. The price was a bit steep, and I think it uh, it didn't uh, sell super well because of that. Um, and I think it would have made all the difference if they put in a blue dial, mm. because that matches really nicely with the rose gold or the Setna gold as they uh, they use it now. But uh, that have, could have made a change. And they didn't do a they didn't re-release um, a chronograph version. But uh, yeah, that might happen. I hope so because that would be uh, very neat uh, oh, to see. Be a great looking watch. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's see. So everything has been postponed and I don't know what the plans are. I think they released the chronograph last year. So perhaps it will be there in the future somewhere. But uh, that would be cool. But that's the watch uh, Yeah, I rediscovered recently. I didn't have it in my collection for that long. But it's a typical watch that yeah, that ended up in my, uh, in my bank safe and that uh, doesn't get much wear. And it's a pity, actually, because it's a, it's a nice piece. Uh, even though at first I thought that um, 300M bracelet with all the links it has mm. nine rows of links <laughs> um would be a bit outdated or a bit too much 90s uh, but once it's once it's on the wrist it's actually quite comfortable and uh, nice to look at yeah they're they're nice bracelets and i i own a normal seamaster from that period and i think i think what omega was doing at that time those were really sharp watches and i i still remember the uh <clears throat> I guess the steel model with the blue dial uh, was pretty popular in the U.S. And those Seamaster chronographs, yeah, they were huge. Uh, but they yeah. really looked, I thought they looked so futuristic and cool when they were out in the uh, <laughs> early 90s. I mean, I still remember seeing them in the boutiques. And yeah, I mean, they they really, not that they haven't had it going on since then, but that was really a good period for them, for them. It was a, yeah it was a game changer because i think in 93 when they introduced it uh, right before things were really going bad with the switch swiss watch industry still and omega wasn't that it wasn't wasn't as big as it is today so only a few people were there basically uh, working and the, the production was probably much lower um so they really needed something to to turn the tides for them and uh, i think the seamaster 300m really did it for them it was their the bread and butter for many years, and perhaps it still is today. Even with the new one, it seems that they uh, they can't produce enough of them. Um, and the Constellation ninety five, of course, also changed uh, changed it for them because that went really popular in China. Yeah. Um, but the Seamaster three hundred M was yeah was really something. I think that that changed the game a bit for for Omega in those days. Yeah, and I'm happy to see that the current version. I think is really bang for the buck. Um, I don't know the exact price is four and a half or four point seven. 
kind of euros. And I think that's a lot of watch that you get. And it's a step up from the old ones that, that we have. But um, yeah, they're just nice watches, I think. And this, uh, this Chronograph, uh, I took it out and I, uh, yeah, I will wear it uh, a bit more. Yeah, I, I think it's a super cool watch. I mean, okay, I'm a metallurgist, so I just love all those different metals coming together. But I, I think it's a neat watch. I do have to say, you know, it is a, uh, I think you'd probably agree that it is a, it is a watch that some people find polarizing. So with all the, the different colors. So it's. Yeah. Uh, and, and the tantalum, and perhaps you know, because uh, you, you, I think you know a bit more about these metals than I do, is it has this blue you to it mm-hmm. which yep. makes it really uh yeah stands out look uh, yeah. interesting and it's it stands out yeah it does yeah that's oh, a and, cool uh, cool piece for sure i mean it's uh reminds you that during this era which is often forgotten for some reason there are some really really neat watches that were made so and you can still find them for relatively yeah low good prices, prices on uh, if you look at them up on chrono 24 it's interesting i just looked up the the Chrono Swiss we were discussing before, the Delphi's with the jumping hour and retrograde minutes. There is one on Chrono 24, and I don't want to make like this an advertisement, but there's one in in full platinum for 11k. Wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that uh, yeah, it's quite amazing that you can pick these ones, these watches up. So, so for these interesting prices, uh, yeah. in the pre-owned market. Yeah. That period is full of great stuff. So. Yeah, we touched the topic before, but it still uh, it still applies. I think you Absolutely. can really find some uh, some cool pieces from the '90s that are a bit overlooked these days. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna leave it with that. Um, yeah. And and like like we said, we're gonna try to get back here with more frequency, especially now when I think uh, some distraction is a good thing, even for us. Um, we would really invite you to send us some questions or topics you'd like us to discuss. Um, there will be news coming out about watches. Um, we're talking about releases and things, so we can always talk a little bit about that, but certainly we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and, and we will do our best to, to get back to you and incorporate your, your questions into some show topics. Um, yeah, definitely. Why don't, why don't you give the email address, RJ? Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us, please send an email to info at fratello.com or info at fratellowatches.com. Both will work. And then you can follow us on Instagram. For me, that's at RJ Brewer. And for Mike, that's at Mike in Frankfurt. And of course, Fratello Watches is at Fratello Watches on Instagram. And if you want to see our RC car exploits, it's at Fratello Racing. <laughs> exactly. So... We'll give us some feedback and uh, shoot us your questions and we will be back very soon. Thanks again. Stay safe. Wash those hands.